All right, everybody ready? Yeah, now that I've used all my good stuff. Oh, no, I didn't look up a city. Uh, I was supposed to do that, wasn't I? You've got time. Burbank. Eight <laughs> thousand AD map. This show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. Welcome back, listeners. Indie Comic Book Noise, we have a rare treat for you. Not only do we have all four regular hosts back, but it's our Halloween episode. I was delivering whether to add sound effects, but I feel Ooh. like maybe that insults the Ooh. quality of our very intelligent oh. listeners. <laughs> our four regular hosts here today from the comic book bunker scary steve raker say hi steve yay i'm still a regular <laughs> and dialing from the tundra it's werewolf wwx kev oh i thought i was a frankenstein well that Gotta doesn't go start alliteration doesn't start okay. with a w now does it <laughs> no no it doesn't and from the nation's capital it's Frightening Phil, the Ottawa Otter. Say hi, Phil. Did, did I scare Phil off? Apparently. Frightening, oh, Frightening with that the, the old mute thing. I did the old mute thing. <laughs> the ghost Nothing's pressed changed. the mute button. The ghost in the mute button. I have myself, Andrew the LA Rabbit. Long time listeners Yay. know we are the premier destination for Halloween content. I mean, yeah, this is technically going to come out after Halloween, but we consider it a way to extend the holiday. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're selling it. I never get enough in, like, on the run-up to Halloween. There's always, like, I want to watch this movie and this movie and this. And then, like, Halloween is, like, the peak of really feeling it. And then you're supposed to just, like, drop it all the next day. Like, I want to still be reading scary stuff and thinking about things for a few days after. At that's least. my whole life. <laughs> exactly right it's a way of life <laughs> plus we hold it close to our hearts because our first episode as hosts was on a spooky halloween back in 2013 so we're celebrating roughly eight years you know we're indie so we don't get it down to the day but <laughs> <laughs> you know that's more indie that way indie comic book noise part of the deliberate noise network Thanks always Yay. to all the awesome shows. Um, you know, we always want to thank uh, Derek for kind of laying this whole thing out where we've been hanging out on his digital dime. Thanks, Our boss. own Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and uh, I guess Dangerous Derek. I don't know. I didn't come up with a name for him. Dastardly. You can yeah. also find the show on social media at Indie Comic Book and on Twitter and on Facebook. If you want oh, old, 
old episodes. I mean, you can go all the way back to the beginning before we were associated with the show. You can go to can our you? website. Can, yes, you, can you? Yeah, I was doing it. Today. I mean, I found the first episode, but it doesn't add up, Andrew. It's like some of the episodes have mysteriously disappeared. Yeah, and well, I also don't want to hear time... how, how the numbering isn't quite right. <laughs> It was I mean, that time that we got hacked handy. by the Congolese and uh, they wiped out some of our old files and some of them got replaced. And I know that happened to us over on Marvel Noise as well, where I have a bunch that I have to put back in the coffers so that those links work on those, like, you know, first 50 shows or so. You, can, you might have you can, to resurrect some episodes. You can thank Guerrilla Warfareists from the Congo. Trying to find your bunker, Steve. <laughs> it's not in the Congo. <laughs> Maybe you should should have called up Gorilla Man. Oh wait, that's the wrong show. Well, G- Gorilla Man. <laughs> Are you? I'm Gorgo Gorgilla. No, what was that Steve Didko thing? The 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 monster. There was. Yes. It was it was Gorgo, Gorgo. for Charlton. And okay. Then my my good friend Jim Whiting, who I just went to the Baltimore Comic Con with, he through Fantico Enterprises just did a Kickstarter and now it's available retail a collection, a softcover collection of the non Steve Ditko Gorgo stories. Wait a minute. Why would you want to read a non Steve Ditko Gorgo story? Yeah. Because they I was going to say, I don't know if Andrew wants those. They were drawn by Joe Sinnott. So that made him kind of cool. Yeah. Lots of crazy old timey. Com- or you can get the reprints of the Steve Ditko stuff. Off a Kickstarter, which we discussed <laughs> last episode. But as you heard from the beginning of the show, Indie Comic Book Noise may feature adult language and difficult concepts. You are warned. I always disclaim our disclaimer by saying we never really say anything controversial. I mean, yeah, the, the craziest, most controversial thing we might say that may or may not represent us is if you... Uh, if you were the shock or the glow instead of the aftershock or the glow, I'll be the initial shock. Be the shock, people. Does that make any sense? No. <laughs> not be the shock. Not a, aftershock sucks. Got it. <laughs> what? Hey. There we go. See, that that, that was controversial. That was. <laughs> well, anyways, Indie Comic Book Noise, free-flowing discussion about all things related to comic books media tie-ins, uh, the state of the industry, convention appearances. But not Marvel or DC, right? Because, like, I just read this Joe Hill comics comic. It wasn't written by Joe Hill, but it was, like, good and it was hard. I was like, oh, I can mention this on Indie Noise. And it's like, I can't. Can I? There's not, there's not even, like, a Vertigo thing to say that, like, maybe that sort of counts. It's, I've it's talked just about straight Vertigo up DC. Before. I know, yep. but now Vertigo is like Black Label DC, and That's you're true. T- it's got like flash ads in it and stuff. You can't can't talk about that here. All right, so on to the others. Black I got plenty more. Don't worry. Noise. So they're uh, a cheap Canadian whiskey, is what you're telling me, Steve. <laughs> well, I and that, can I ask Steve just which one was it? Uh, head full of refrigerators or refrigerator full of heads or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was not tempted, except I saw Tom Fowler's name on it. Uh, I was like, "That's what's." I do like right? Tom Fowler, but Joe yeah. Hill, I could, 
you know, he's fine, well, but the cape too. and all that. Is... He, did, he didn't write it. But yeah, he, he just... It's I think just he in his universe. Or it's I guess just... there was... There was like a something else full of heads story that he did, and I don't know if this is in the same yeah. universe or whatever. Yeah, it's but really it's good. Yeah. Uh, his first line wasn't too bad. Some of them. There's no lines, gracious. no imprints anymore. Ugh. So now we're just getting his scraps, basically. Oh, have some respect, people. Uh, but drawn by Tom Fowler, so I'll take those yeah. scraps anytime. Yeah, I know that was the one thing. I was like, oh, Tom Fowler, I do like his work, but what's all this other nonsense? What's with but, the Flash ads? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought they got rid of Flash. Oh, maybe. Spoiler. Get it, Kevin? That's a computer reference. <laughs> oh, I thought you were suddenly trying to stick someone something else in here that early. No, like uh, Flash is a Adobe product, right, or something? Yeah, um, yeah, that's, that got sunsetted. Yeah, that's a uh, part of our bit about God. when we reference old websites that have dead and dangerous links. Although at our website, I hope at least the recent links are not dead. But speaking of dead or undead links, who wants to start? Super Steve, we haven't seen you here in a while. What mm-hmm. Halloweeny magic is in the bunker, decorated no of- doubt with ghouls and skeletons ready for trick or treaters. I got so many books to talk about. I'm going to be on the show again and again. And it's just football season is so hard because both my kids play. We'll give you extra books. Tackle football. And between that, that's like the the weeks just get get away from me. So uh, it's been a while, but I will make it more of an effort to uh, be on more regularly here. But I got to kick off with the book that I was dying to tell you guys about and ask you guys if you had read, which is the new Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, creator owned work through comiXology amazon we have demons you mean kindle originals <laughs> it says comiXology originals right on the cover though so that's not okay. bad <laughs> nothing says indie like amazon anyway all right so. Andrew, <laughs> have did you read this one yet no i have not um i i, have, I haven't seen it in the store and I'm, kevin uh, well it's because it's digital yeah so kevin, i'm probably uh, not going to be seeing it did, did you read it yet no okay no. i mean Still? No. i have it and i've flipped through it but so i've seen a lot of the art but i haven't read it yet uh this is great art i mm-hmm. mean this is capullo like fever dream stuff like you know the things that i it's it's an evolution from all of that dark metal stuff that they were doing um it's just like it, it's really it's like going back to some of the spawn type um, horror that you used to associate Capullo with and then kind of bringing it full circle to where he is in his draftsmanship now. Um, his human figures and faces and everything are just so perfect uh, in this book. Every character, whether it be a demon or a human, is visually pleasing like even if it's an ugly person a fat guy a beautiful girl uh, whatever um everything just looks so good and you know i'm biased because greg is a friend but i mean this is the book i've been waiting for him to do in some ways that he could put (laughs) what he's putting into it and this is just getting started and nothing even really happened yet 
It's great. And I think I think it's like you say, like he used to do Spawn. I think now he has a better writer, you know. True that. So, so it'll probably be like a better demon comic. Do you, do these these comicsology ones? Do they will they will they eventually put them in print, like in the trade? I, I don't know. Well, they have a deal with Dark Horse Comics where some of the <laughs> early ones have come out in trade, but I don't know how long that. This continue. is one of those ones where yeah, it really won. Yeah, and this is such I, big name creators. This could be part of a new initiative as part of their new Amazon Kindle. You know what I mean? Who knows what they yeah. have in mind? And this is a, like a, a like it seems like this is a an additional deal with Snyder. So I don't know if he would necessarily follow to to the same spot. Maybe he wants someone else to put it out. <laughs> now you guys know my, um, I guess obstacle to jumping into new world building and uh, and a new series and stuff. It's like too much too soon is turns me right off right i start flipping pages this book very cleverly starts off with three characters girl and a and a nice suburban couple facing each other um sitting on couches in you know like a sitting living room and goes from there and everything else is a is a visual representation of of their discussion as as she talks to them and and tells them her story and she's the protagonist and she's a uh a child who only had a uh whose mother had died and she was raised by her father who was a minister but it seems like he was involved in something more there was little mysterious things about him trips away um and when she goes away to college and and kind of um, comes back it's one of those the the parent leaves a legacy that the child never knew about and now they're an adult and they're equipped to handle it but they don't have the other family member there to be the guide so she's got to sort of figure out what the what the um the conflict is and what her expected role is and then whether to answer the call so they start off small and they do get into the whole thing where they kind of get into the metaphysical of this whole good versus evil. And there's a physical manifestation of it where there's like a, a white juice, like that's the good juice and like the red juice, that's the bad juice. And they're um, influencing things in history throughout mankind and stuff. And this is a struggle as old as the swirling ethers at the beginning of you know the world's creation and stuff so it gets heavy and big and cosmic but also keeps it simple as far as really what you're dealing with the the components that are at play and i'm really looking forward to the next issues i i think that if they're going to pace it in this manner it will be something that can be a really deep crazy epic but it will be um, at, at least so far is presented in a really digestible way that is good storytelling at its at its uh, at its heart, both writing and art wise. This is really good Capullo stuff. Really good. Does it feel like one floppy, a regular size floppy's worth, or I think more? Yeah, it's a it's a big. It would be like a. It's probably about thirty six pages of story, I'd say, or thirty two pages of story, something like that. Nice. Always like them 
extra large. Yeah. And with, without the concerns of, you know, actual page count, if they're not publishing it physically until it's a trade or whatever, then uh, they can just do, you know, tell the stories it needs to be told and look for the natural breaks. I'm sure there's more of a formula than that, but it, that's how it felt. It just felt like getting the, the first chapter or something that there's a lot more to it and they're going to dish it out to us at a, um, a, a comfortable um, uh, dosage. Right, I feel so, dosed. So, <laughs> do they come? So they're on a, like a monthly, just like a regular comic book. I don't know. All I know is that this came out and it was amazing. I was looking forward to it and it lived up to lived up to the hype. Well, it's always rare when you have high expectations and they're met or exceeded. Yeah, I mean, I've been looking at Capullo's Instagram post where he'll show you just a face here and there and it's like, what is this character and what's what's the deal and um nice that this is knowing that it's a creator-owned property so that they can really pour themselves into it and reap the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's showing these designs are really cool. I mean, there's like really John Carpenter, the thing kinds of grotesque uh, homunculus, like, uh, you know, formations of these demons. It's, it's also like a pod people kind of a thing where, you know, there's imposters, there's demons inside people and, almost like a rom dire wraith kind of a situation where the you know you've got to find these people that are hidden among us and uh when they turn into the demons man it's it's pretty impressive color or black and white steve well glorious color nice well that sounds pretty cool all right who who wants to go next don't all rush the stage at once well all right i'll i'll take the mic if no one's jumping forward in honor of our first episode on Halloween oh so many years ago I want to bring you guys back to that time that was right around the launch of the Archie horror line (laughs) Andy was in the store not that long ago I mean obviously we're going to date this because it's going to come out sometime around Halloween and he saw on the stands yet a new Archie horror the chilling event adventures of Sabrina number nine I believe this title launched in 2014 so they're averaging about one comic every 10 months or so. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> I love the uh, the other issues, but yeah, it's been so long. I didn't even notice this one come out. I mean, it's weird. So we're on the 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 second volume, I guess is how we're breaking this out. Yeah. And it's uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa um, and Robert Hack, the artwork. Not familiar with Robert Hack. I know he's an experienced comic book artist. I will say I have not bought into the Archie and other media, but I feel like there is a Netflix show, the streaming of the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina streaming. Yeah, and it's based I think on that it's... ended, and now she's on Riverdale. Okay, yeah. but the artist has made Sabrina look like the actress. I don't know um, well, if that was from the get-go. I'm pretty sure this is a different artist than the previous issues. Cause really? Because the previous issues, I think, I could be wrong, but I find their faces look a little different to me, but it's been a long time. So. <laughs> I mean, he might have he might have changed his style in all that time if he's only putting on an issue a year. Yeah. 
Because I feel like the art was better before because I was so crazy about those covers and the art. I love the old-timey art, but uh, I don't know. This one just didn't... Yeah, the faces are just very flat to me. Well, I remember in the beginning, they were having a lot of uh, Frank Avia covers, and maybe even some interiors, when the line launched. And while it's averaging that, I think it's more a case of, like, they came out and take long breaks in between or whatever. It really... It is ridiculous, though, to have issue nine, you know, like eight well, years into the line or something. I'm surprised they even came back to it. I guess they were mid-arc, but... Well, yeah, they're mid-arc is the problem. They're in the middle of volume two. <laughs> the other thing I thought was interesting is significant promotion of other Archie properties. First of all, I didn't know that they did audiobook versions of Archie, but they do. Um, oh, for sure. I have listened to some of the Marvel ones, enjoyed them. You know, when you're working, it's good to have on. Plus, obviously, promoting the Sabrina show on Netflix and the Riverdale TV show. And also promoting the comics itself, strangely enough. But it looks like they're making a big shove for digital comics. And super excited to see a Diamond Select toy ad. Yay, toy ad! We had talked recently about how I enjoy looking at ads in these books because they're fun little placements of time and place. But yeah, I don't know if it is the same artist. Yeah, it is the same artist, but helpfully they give a summary of what's going on in the, in the case, which is nice. This is Mm -hmm. a more serious take on Sabrina. So basically we're in the middle. Her father has been resurrected into the body of her sort of, I don't want to say love interest, but like a contemporary. So I was like, whoa, I wonder if there's going to be some weird incest vibes going on in this. These days. But yeah, so they lay out all the different characters and it's quite convoluted. So I was glad for that. That followed it. I must say personally, tonally, it feels a little strange to pick up like the third issue in an arc because it's one of the more set up issues. So it's in the middle of her collecting information about how the different, what happened. She thinks the resurrection went one way when it went another way. So you go through and you learn about the different ones, but you know, there's implications of not just the consorting with demons, but in one case, a physical consortium of demons, like, they have relations. <laughs> so lots of, uh, you know, if you like people and demons and skull faces and snake women and all that. But I do feel like, I don't know, you're right about the faces, Phil. Some of them are well done, but making the lead actress look like her kind of throws me out a little bit. I, I, I don't feel know. like the other ones were a lot better. I noticed, too, there's a, an ad for a one-shot based in that universe too coming out in anthology yeah that might be interesting with the different artists i just that actress was on the tv show Mad Men. i don't know if you guys ever saw it so when i see it i more associate the actress with that role so to see this act i mean it's not fair to her i guess like people Mm -hmm. go on and get other acting jobs you know what it looks like andrew Oh no! Forget it. It looks. I was gonna say. Look, maybe they were just finishing up the storyline because there's another number one in an ad, but it's for the Netflix show. 
Yeah, no, I mean, because this one ends off, she is confronting a demon who had possessed a guy. Well, the demon is obscure about whether he possessed him first, but there's a guy in prison for doing bad things to women. So this is quite, like, you know, there's death and satanic worship and possession and all that sort of stuff in it, but I don't know, the artwork, while isn't as horrific, I guess. Phil, how would you say it? Like... For these it's, grim subject matters, it's not really just, cartoony, but... No, I, for me, it's like the art was always kind of old-timey like to me. Like, it reminded me of comics, uh, like the horror comics back in the day, maybe. Yeah, it's very... I, I thought they could amp up the horror through the artwork, but I feel like they're kind of going counter to that. Mm-hmm. But that's not a knock against the guy. Like I said, the storytelling's clear. I like the characters. I can tell who's who. I'm never confused. Maybe about. he just rushed this issue out. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, the art was so much better than the other ones. Rushed it out. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, <laughs> Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I don't know where I'm at. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> comes out. Uh, I'm... I'm somewhat, it's piqued my curiosity a little bit, but I just can't imagine waiting any kind of significant time. Like, I'm going to forget, if this thing doesn't come out in the next three months or whatever, I'm never going to remember it. You know, and I don't know, if I see it, I might buy it, but I'm certainly not going to go out of my way to dig this up, but I I find it's interesting. Yeah, and for me, you know... Wait and see if a trade will ever exist, because the Archie the horror line, they're just not very reliable, right? So, right. Why, like, we're stuck in all these half storylines. It's just no point picking them up unless they actually finish it. Yeah, they they put it like a kind of... I see what you mean about the old-timey. There's almost uh, mm-hmm. uh, some sort of yellowing that's a very subtle across mm-hmm. the whole page. And it's very, like, chicken-scratchy kind of... Yeah, so at the very edges, you'll see the white, the natural glossy white paper, but right up into it, there's kind of a a inconsistent yellowy tone applied, which I guess is to help give it that old timey one. But I can see if you're reading these in a bulk, like the sort of reminds me of those old, uh, like the Dark Shadows comics from I was enjoying. I think those came out from Dynamite that. Uh, Frank Avia did work on some of them, or at least did the covers. That kind of like intricate plotting. Uh, there's always a few different storylines running. But yeah, it's hard picking up uh, number nine out of nowhere. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Archie Horror is back, at least for now. <laughs> All right, Kevin, what's your Halloween story? I got something from uh, Scout Comics. I see them in the store. I've picked up a few. Yeah. I mean, they I guess they sort of have a distinctive look to them. I think I maybe covered one one book from them before. I mean, that was just something when um, I would be out of town and, and then I would just get, you know, grab random uh, comics from the shelf. Yeah, that's how I do it every week. <laughs> uh yeah. I mean, it, w- it would be funny, and it would be fun, but, you know, I would have a lot of random comics then. It's just hard to uh, recapture that thrill. So anyhow, I have um, Long Lost. 
And one of the things uh, that really sticks out about it, I think, is the cover. It's just uh, very uh, eye-popping. Like, I don't know, it looks like... Um, like, like maybe a Bruce Tim animation cell or something. Like the cover is very, very dark. But then you have this woman with like white hair. And then some kind of like red. Um, I don't know, like. Like string or uh, or veins or something. Like ed- edging its way around the cover. Uh, it's by Matthew Ehrman and uh, Lisa uh, Sturil. And I've heard uh, of them before. Have you heard of them, or are they a new, new to you as well? I believe they're new to me. Oh, I think we know Scout from uh, Phil's uh, Hench Girl. Was a Scout book, or was that, was that you, Scout? Kevin? Yeah, that was Scout. I don't. I that never... must have been early Scout. Yeah. Oh, that was uh, Kevin then. I think what happened was they acquired the property from another publisher, if memory serves, on your coverage of that one. Oh, that was Scout 2015. That must have been pretty early on. Yeah, but I remember one of you. I guess it was Kevin, not Phil. Yeah, it must have been Phil. But that kind of also sounds a little bit like your jam, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, they have imprints and everything, but... I guess you're. I, I, there's not much to go on sometimes, and then you have to look it up or whatever. But it, it's almost like the TCAF principle in a way. When with the smaller publishers, like yeah, you don't have a whole cover. lot to go on. So if you have some dynamic cover or great concept, like, and you happen to see it, I get around to. I guess it's easier to see than than to read. This is also the the issue with some some of these. Uh, things then like you'll you'll look into it yeah yeah a good cover drags me in i mean i certainly have learned to flip it open quickly to make sure it's not oh, a yeah. bait and switch that the high quality cover with the rougher interiors yeah i mean i guess maybe i don't see it as often i don't know i feel like that that's really uh a big two type of game. Oh man. It's it, believe me, a lot of these smaller publishers do it too. And I, I get it. Like, like I said, that's what brings my eye to it is your cover. Yeah. So but I feel like investing. they're not like if they get someone like they'll, they'll get a friend or someone else that's sort of, you know, in the trenches with them. They're not getting like Alex Ross or something <laughs> to do a cover usually. Well, so it's, it's, it's on a different level. So anyways, back to, sorry, what was the, what book are we referring to again? Uh, Long Lost. Long Lost from Scout. Okay. Yeah. So I think it sticks, it sticks out in the, amongst uh, the things they do. And did you just get the first issue or are you, it looks like it's been out for a couple of issues here. Uh, I got a Dre paperback that has the first six issues. Oh, nice. And it says, uh, I think this is a second printing. Let me see. Does it say in here? For some reason, I thought, no, I don't, I don't think it says. But I, I could have sworn when I ordered it. Unless there is a second printing and they still had some of the first printing left. I don't know. Well, For some like reason, also, I thought this was coming out again. Looks like, Well, it looks like they have a second volume as well. Except that oh, one's called maybe. Long, Long Lost. 
yeah so this yeah this is book one and it has like special features and um a special online only uh prologue comics too whoa was this a digital comic kevin i don't think so well you know if you're but i think at part it. of it <laughs> no no you're looking well, at papers it's weird because it says an online only prologue comics never before seen print i mean so in the first volume maybe that wasn't part like maybe there was in the there was another printing of this and they didn't include that part well that's cool you got a, a special so anyways let's get to the plot here we're we're yeah floundering. so i mean this is kind of a weird creepy i don't know how, how I, I would say um i think more along the lines of, of our um our suspense creepiness that we usually get in, involved in but not necessarily uh or I mean, there are some some weird things here, but they're like there's a couple of sisters, and then I I, I feel like um, like it's it it sort of mixes up the the art styles a little bit because you sort of like get into the first few pages and you're like oh I like how this is going and then it like total like sort of swerves you <laughs> and then I'm like oh man let's go back to the way it, it was. But it's like some kind of weird, like, dream sequence type of weirdness with, like, I don't know, like, weird, maybe toxic waste or blood dripping out of the sewers that is going on to someone's hair and then body and then intestines and then human body parts. This is very strange. (laughs) Because it has this sort of, like, weird, like, sort of prelude stuff and then someone throwing up and then someone like waking up later on so you're like did any of that actually happen so what has a certain but you were able to follow the storyline yeah i mean it, it was it was a lot of like slice of life and then like they have this dog and everything but there's also this moment where like something comes through the window and there's like all these like <laughs> yes, and then they become a bat, Batwoman. That that would be the manga, because they just use whatever name has already been used in the seventies. But no, um, it's sort of like blood on the window, but it's also sort of like threads, and then like in this, or I guess you could say hair, but a, a lot of like a lot of old hair, because there's just like this piece that's sort of on the ground and it sort of like permeates the the panel where it's like destroying like panel borders and everything like you dripped like black paint on the page so they like that our, our character here is like checking it out and they're like oh but what's in this black blob and it's like some some i don't know like piece of meat or maybe an intestine or Part of a body part. It's just weird. There's there's this sort of like whatever. Let me get rid of this garbage. And then it switches again to like because it's it's sort of like like dark inky, and then it gets into more like a maybe an Andy Watson sort of uh, loose um, YA type of stuff. 
for this girl's on a train talking to people and everything, freaking them out with what she's talking about. About how she's not having kids, she's barren and everything. And then the woman's like, oh, yeah, 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 that's great. Uh, great talking to you, I guess. <laughs> but anyways, this, like, that whole thing that came through the window, like, that, that, that keeps on coming up. And, uh, like, there's, like, flashbacks to it and just, just weird unease, Twilight Zone-ish sort of stuff. The and then their, like, dog goes missing in, in the woods. Do they uh, solve the mystery in this first volume? I don't know. I haven't read the whole volume yet. <laughs> are you going to? I guess we should ask. Are you going to finish the volume? Of, of course I am. Well, that's not necessarily. We've all abandoned ship before. I know, but usually that's a book where it's critically acclaimed, like Tom King or Warren Ellis or someone is just like, this is the most innovative graphic novel I've ever read. There's a, a new innovation on every page. And then I go, eh. And then I, I, I quit after 40 pages. Like, usually it's those types of books. But there's a hidden code, Kevin. <laughs> you have to read it backwards, but look while looking into a mirror. Oh, yeah. That was the least exciting multiversity issue. But anyways, yeah, these two sisters sort of come together. I want to know more uh, about the hairy piece of meat. Yeah, I know. I don't know what, what what was up with that, but like they get some invitation to like their their dead mother's like birthday party and there's this weird guy with this weird I don't know, crinkly meat face thing that he wears a mask on and he doesn't know how to talk properly and and then he disappears like there's some <laughs> weird stuff going on anyways and then they go like you know to seek this uh whole thing out and this meat this meat thing is in a well and suitably creepy suitably fascinating well, you'll have to report back when you finish if you're going to move on to Volume 2. I think I will, yeah, yeah. Oh, and this is, I guess you could say this is black and white, basically. <laughs> I mean, there are, like, the co the cover is in color, in a way. I mean, there's red and, and everything there. And it seems like it has tinges of blue and different tones, maybe a like a, a light blue or some red. I mean, I think it's used for effect. More like how Sin City, like you just use that splash of color sometimes. I mean, maybe it'll open up later on, but sort of in that vein. So not what I was expecting there, but maybe I should have been from the from the from the cover. That's fascinating. All right, uh, Phil. Is there anything you want to mention? On this All Hallows Eve special. Mute button, Phil. Mute button. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did pick up this uh, awesome hardcover little book, My Little Cult Book Club. It's done in the old style of, like, uh, it's by Stephen Rhodes. I, I don't know if you guys know that guy. He's, I feel like he's a famous 
artist, but I don't know. I also have uh, three board games based off three pieces in this book, and it's basically in the style of, remember when you were in uh, school, grade school, and they'd have those little book catalogs, and you can order your books from it? Sure. Yeah, the Scholastic is the company down here. I used to, uh, yeah, I forget what the Canadian ones were, but I used to love those. I think my favorite book series I'd get every year was uh, the Bubblegum Monster ones. I don't know if you ever heard of those. No, I used to think get the Choose Your Own Adventure ones from there, maybe. Yeah, those two were cool, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so it's like a fake little catalog, but it's all stuff like uh, you're changing body and it's a little kid changing into a werewolf. <laughs> like books, books like that or how to summon a demon and it's three kids around one of their friends they're sacrificing. And that's that's one of the board games. And uh, like how, like Zombie Apocalypse, my first Zombie Apocalypse, there's ads for like spirit specs. So you can see if your parents are have spirits in them stuff like that fake ads and all kinds of cool little uh books comes with a cool little poster of the let's summon demons which is probably my favorite and uh yeah you can get it on amazon for like 20 bucks the board games i haven't received yet because i was late to the kickstarter but uh so i have the retail ones on pre-order but i know my friend got them and uh they're worth it just for the artwork. This guy's artwork is just so amazing. Cool. Yeah, I enjoy that kind of parody. I think I mentioned mm-hmm. I had the Cthulhu board book, like the ABCs of yeah, Cthulhu. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so, something like that. I have the old Gilbert Shelton Dealer McDope uh, <laughs> board game from the Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers world. Oh, uh, that show is going to be free on uh, Tubi. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Like in starting in mid November or something like that. I think so, yeah. And and another thing that I backed, it's not out yet, but it should be soon, is it's a, a book by uh someone at Horror Hound called Halftone Horrors. It's like two hundred and forty pages and it's every comic book based on uh like a licensed horror character. Wow. It's, it's yeah, gotta be a they, lot of them. How do they pull out? I know the pages look. I was talking to the guy, and he showed me some of the pages, and they were just amazing. Like I cannot wait to get this book, and it also comes with the uh, Horror Hound's first comic book, like their first issue. Well, it'll be nice to have that. Um, if it's every character, then you'll have uh, Ginger Dead Man back. Yeah. So. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping to find some hidden gems I didn't know about, you know, and then I'll have something to track down. Usually those horror comics will end up pretty expensive, the ones on licensed characters, because there's tends to be a few of them, or because horror fans are tend to pick up everything, you know? Yeah. They, they're low in supply, so usually you have to resort to eBay at high prices. Sounds oh, cool. You gotta, when, when you get it, you got to tell us what's in it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited. All right. Super Steve, you have, uh, I assume you're, you're raring to go with more. I do. A quick shout out to another book by my friend uh, Jim Whiting. You spend a weekend with a guy, you end up talking about all his books, you know. Um, But there was a horror anthology in the, I want to say, mid to late 80s, maybe into the early 90s. Hard for me to know exactly because it's partially when I was out of comics. Uh, There was a horror anthology called Gore Shriek. Um, that Fanico published and had some big names like uh, Beset involved with them. And my pal Jim 
through Fantico first as a Kickstarter, but now I saw that it was solicited in previews last month. There is the modern manifestation of Gore Shriek, which is just the singular Shriek, which I believe is magazine-sized. I have the digital copy that I was reading, and it is a full-color horror anthology. It looks to be about 68 pages or so with like seven different covers, and there are five different comic stories and a couple of like text pieces with spot illustrations. My favorite of the comics is the one that my pal Jim did, which is the Lady Dracula returning for an all-new series. His uh, very... Um, uh, almost like chiseled out of rock, concrete-looking style of art mixed with a touch of Kirby dynamicism really shines through the design of this noseless, big, wide forehead, big-eyed, big-teethed Lady really, Dracula character. I really want those old issues, looking at the covers. Yeah, they're, they are... Um, uh, they have their spot in old comics, uh, horror, indie comics history for sure. Um, and uh, this Lady Dracula bit is great with some Nosferatu. And it is the first installment which suggests that maybe there will be more of this. There's also a time travel story by Keith Hogan and Daniel Webster where a guy with a phone, uh, the phone ends up being like the... Um, uh, gods must be crazy kind of object that becomes sought after. And there's a story by uh, Matt Belskis and Nyara Mora and Christopher Twin. Good stuff. Fun to see a horror anthology. Uh, can't go wrong, right? If you don't like one, you'll like the other. <laughs> hey, you got options. Are they going to, is this a, uh, like a one shot or an ongoing or? When I, um, did the pledging for it i am not really sure what the plans are for this but given that there is more than one story that is a to be continued here um, then these um, stories will live on in one form or another whether it be here as an ongoing shriek or uh, individual comics i don't know we'll find out Nice. That's a nice thing. Usually get notified by the Kickstarter machinery that the next one is up for bidding. And if if they've put out a bunch, you'll get emails from all the separate accounts. Yeah, right. So you end up with a ton. I <laughs> wanted to uh, give an update. I did finish. I got all four of the uh, issues of Bunny Mask. We discussed that. That was the Aftershock book <laughs> by Paul Tobin. Andrea Mutti or Muti and Taylor Esposito. Yep. I sort of accidentally ended up buying them all because <laughs> accidentally I was there and they were there and it's just this the is four. a rabbit. Ad. <laughs> and they're just the four issues and then they're taking a break and continuing with um and next year. So I wanted to say um, I, while it has some things to lend itself, a couple things you should know to update. First of all, I didn't realize these were five bucks a piece, if that makes a difference to anybody. <laughs> you know, they put the price on the back. I don't really notice. I just kind of 
unless it's a really fat comic, then you have to look. Or if it's from a big two, you have to look because those comics are sometimes surprisingly expensive at retail. And they also drop the back matter after the first issue, which I am completely fine with. I think I noted that I felt the back matter wasn't really adding anything. Um, So I don't really mind, but to the extent that that's a lure for you, know that issues two through four do not have that. The setup again was two, uh, 14 years ago, two social workers are checking in a, uh, on a, a young girl and her father. The mother is gone. And when the social workers turn up, the father kills one of the social workers and imprisons the other one with his daughter digging tunnels in a cave underneath. And he claims that the snitch tells him things and is instructing him how to go. And then uh, he feels that uh, the the social worker guy, he's our entry point, notices that the girl B is killed. And then he's about to be killed by the crazy man when he breaks into this open cave and sees all this weird stuff. And that's when the bunny mask character shows up, which is Phil notes as a woman with wearing a, uh, like the half mask with the bunny ears. If you played the video game Bioshock, looks exactly like that. And she heals the man that got shot and takes out the father. And then when the guy that got shot wakes up, his leg is fine. Everything's fine. And they can't find evidence of a cave or anything else. And then it jumps to the current moment when he's left that area. He's starting a new life as a doctor. And he comes across an art gallery. And it's the little girl all grown up and her artwork features this bunny mask character extensively. Simultaneously with that storyline, a sheriff investigating this crime, because they never found the cave, goes back to the farmhouse. He finds the cave. And over the course of the four issues, mild spoilers, the snitch is a voice that tells you secrets about people. You know, like evil secrets, like that guy cheated on his taxes and that guy... Uh, you know, stole a million dollars and that guy killed someone and that sort of thing. And it's this never ending voice. And both our doctor protagonist character hear it and the sheriff hear it. And then they decide they're going to confront the snitch by going back to those caves. And the big twist is that the B character that our doctor protagonist found, it's strange because the sheriff found B's corpse in the cave. So like, who is B? Who is the woman that's alive versus the corpse? Who is the bunny mask character who speaks kind of weird and shows up at random moments administering vigilante justice? And I got to say for the first four issues, there's no real resolution. It's more like the setup. So if you like this world, it's awesome, but I feel like there's no, there's no, there's no, uh, well, I think why I'm going to quit though, is I feel like this first volume doesn't give you a a satisfying result. Not that I want everything resolved. Now you're so far into it, but nothing is resolved. Phil, it was basically set up that you're still collecting it because you talked me out of collecting it with your review of the first issue. Well, you might get these in the mail. (laughs) Phil. I think COVID really screwed up your collecting habits because now you're collecting more like me, where you're just you're collecting Spawn now. I dropped it. I like uh, and weird series like Ginger Dead Man, you know, like on that line. 
Uh, Andrew, Andrea Monti Muti, not familiar. Uh, that scratchy style. I like the watercolor coloring he does, but I do feel past the first issue. He really likes the kind of blue and green palette, which is fine. But as you guys know, I really like when there's a lot of colors in my books kind of interacting as opposed to that one sort of overall wash, especially when it's so much of the same. But I like it. It's kind of very atmospheric. Obviously, the blue and the green, because a lot of stuff takes place at night. And that's, you know, you're not going to put black (laughs) because then you can't see the artwork. But I do like the design of the bunny mask character. I just wanted to tell people that for 20 bucks, you're getting the setup and not really the, the, like they, they, you do figure out the snitch and there is a personification of it and they confront it, but I doubt they've stopped it or killed it or anything. Uh, So I guess that is the resolution. They are able to quiet the voices in their head, but lots of mystery still left. Will I collect it, Phil? I don't know. I guess if I see I it on the rack. Rat. But five bucks. I didn't know it was five bucks. I guess that's what floppies cost now, don't they? No. I mean, not for you. What do com- What does a comic book cost? I mean, comics have went down in price here again, but, you know, we're on that roller coaster of up and down prices. Okay, the Archie was four bucks. So I think that's... Yeah, I think they're either four or five bucks here. Look at me sounding like one of the one percenters. I don't even know how much did a comic book costs. Yeah, I don't even know what, what the price is, price is on a comic now. I just buy them. If if it's a pamphlet with uh, 20 <laughs> pages and it's uh, at, at a festival, uh, if it's just 20 bucks, I just buy. It's no. sight unseen. That's you now, Andrew. I do not buy those $20 floppies. You know that. You know, those are my <laughs> mortal. And same with the big two. Because now they burn me a few times if I see something, especially because so much of it tends to be, not to rant on them, but they'll throw a bunch of reprints in it or something, and then they want nine ninety nine or whatever for a floppy, for criminy's sake. But anyways. Andrew, have you ever it's read... all about uh, the amount of pages. Have you ever read uh, Aunt Agatha's Home for Wayward Rabbits? I have the first issue. I feel like that's something you'd really like, since... Yeah, it didn't hook me as much. I think the art style was not to w- matching the story. I guess that was the point, was to have kind of a cutesy, simpler style to match the, kind of to go counter to the story. Have you read it, Phil? Yeah, I love it. I, love I should it. try it again then. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to be sent. maybe, like I said, maybe I'll have to be sending out packages again. Andy bombs the team with comic books. <laughs> All right. who's Who's got something else? We're getting close to the time limit, but I want to give people, especially if we got something quicker, quicker hits. Well, maybe if Super Steve wants to rapid fire some books out. I got one more. I got to rapid fire you, but it's a three issue series. Then I can leave the the show can end and i'll be at peace <laughs> with having said my 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 piece buried the in the bunker. piece the other spade the, spelled the other way i use both pieces there of peace um but this is a three issue series from zenoscope oh. whoa zenoscope what 
And like the feel? first issue was weird, and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of oh, clever." And then I, I was like, is. "All right, it's actually kind of entertaining." So I read the three of them, written by Hans Rodinoff and Adam Goldberg, with art by Eduardo Garcia. This is possessive, and this is guy. He's got a family, wife, two kids, young kids. He's a drinker. This is almost like a quasi-shining kind of a story in a way, but done in a kind of a vanilla, xenoscopy kind of a way. But So this guy's got this bit of a drinker, and uh, the wife is kind of like watching him not really decline, but decline as a po- you know compared to the man she wants him to be. And he buys a house without talking to her that like, this is going to be their dream house. And it's an old rackety, not very nice house. And she uses it as like that. And the drinking as an excuse to leave him and files for divorce, get some papers, everything he in this house, it's in such bad shape because it's haunted. Haunted by this woman who was killed there by her husband, you know, over a hundred years ago. Everybody in town knows it's haunted. The person who, you know, the realtor who sold it to him is knew it was haunted. And he's got a because he's got nowhere to go, because he's been thrown out of his life, he basically is like, Screw it. I'm gonna I'm staying here, you know, to hell with you demon lady who's haunting the place like you know first he's thinks maybe he'll commit suicide and then he's like why should i do that i could just be killed by the demon who lives here so why don't you just take me for pete's sake come on please and when she does appear to take him he's like thank you and she's like what what do you mean thank you you can see it in her face she doesn't say anything she's a demon (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and so the the they basically have to learn to live together <laughs> side by side where she starts to improve his character and his life by throwing out all his alcohol she smashes it all and he's all pissed he's like well i'll just like you know door dash some alcohol here and as soon as the guy shows up at the alcohol she like chops the guy up into pieces and shows that like you know you send anybody here to bring you more. I'm just going to kill them. And he's like, oh, great. So I guess I have to stop drinking. You know, and he shaves and he starts painting. He was a painter. And now his paintings are inspired because they are about this creepy old house. And it relates to the culture of the area. And he starts being a little successful. He actually starts to have a romantic experience with this ghost. And including trying to exercise her and then, no, that's not going to work. And, you know, there's something to the house that's tied to her. So this guy like this mystery. Well, right. Ghostbusters would have worked. But this is this doesn't even get given the opportunity to cross any streams other than, well, I won't even go there. But so then the wife comes sniffing around and sees that he's doing like so good that she starts to like get the hots for him and says, well, I want to move back with the kids and move with you in the new house. You have things going here so well. And look at you. You're you're selling paintings. And then he's like, oh, crap. Now I got, you know, now it's like an episode of Three's Company, right? He's got to like deal with the, with the, you know, how do I explain, you know, and he's telling her, oh, sure, you know, you can move back. And he's telling the ghost. No, I said, no, you, he, she can't come back while, uh, you know, and then he's got to deal with both things and trying to keep both things happening. And, and then 
he has to resolve it all in the end. And it was quite entertaining in a very uh, light, big, dumb, fun kind of a way. Do the possessive? Do the covers match the interior, Steve? Yes. Oh they wow! <laughs> Excellent. Zenoscope. I haven't heard of that one. They're they're notorious in my mind for being one of those. The cover looks one way, and then you flip open the book. Yeah, I mean it's it's a different artist, but it's not too far off. Um, the inner artwork is more um, standard, digitally looking like it was drawn. Like there's um, not a lot of different difference in line weight. You know, as far as the um, you know outlines of all of the characters' bodies and stuff, but it would the storytelling was um, plenty satis- you know sufficient. Um, it was it was good. It was a fun fun quick read. Um, it had some of the tropes of, like I said, almost like a Three's Company thing where it's the guy having the relationship and losing it and then trying to get it back, but he met somebody else. And there are some funny little things in there that are you know um, the situation comedy in a way, even though the book isn't overtly funny. It's just silly. Well, it's good to get Zenoscope back in the back in rotation. You know, it's been a while since since uh, Phil has abandoned them. Well, so these days they do a lot of uh, like one shots and sometimes yeah, yeah. tie together kind of thing. Well, I tried to do the Grim Tales of Terror quarterly, the the oh, yeah, Halloween that. one, and mm-hmm. um, I just didn't enjoy any of the stories in it to no, be able I to like, say that it was any good. So. Pass. I liked the first season of that, I think, and then after that, yeah, it just I haven't liked it since. All right, well, that sounds pretty good for a creepy 2021 Halloween special. <laughs> Anyone have anything else to say as we sign off? Drock, Communa 13 needs that vaccine. As do we all. Stay safe, everybody. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Later.